You're listening to the Wesley Seminary Podcast. Your host today is Dr. Aaron Perry, Associate Professor of Pastoral Theology and Leadership. What started as what I thought would be a relatively quick dinner at my gracious host's house turned into a very long evening. I had set plans to see a movie with some friends after I thought the dinner would be over thinking the couple would be turning into bed a little bit earlier than me because of their age made me think that making these movie plans was going to be fine, but it wasn't. I never made it to the movie. Instead, after dinner, I was taken to the basement and shown a remarkable collection and display of trains. My very gracious host was a train fanatic and very skilled in building model trains. It simply oozed from him, his passion for trains, and he wanted me to catch the bug too. I learned that night a whole lot about ministry training. What was the connection? Stay tuned for a word from our sponsor and then enjoy the episode. Wesley Seminary prepares Christian leaders to engage in missional ministry locally and globally through fully online Masters of Ministry, Masters of Divinity, and Doctor of Ministry programs. Learn from professors who will help you grow in your knowledge of scripture, theology, and church history with the goal of applying what you learn from the local ministry. Journey with a spiritual formation cohort made up of students from around the world that take their own ministry experience and challenge you to sharpen your ministry skills and deepen your spiritual formation. Wherever you are, in whatever way you serve in ministry, we want to serve you. We are Wesley, and you belong here. So what was the connection between trains and ministry training? Just this, my host's love for trains was infectious. Now, I'll confess, I didn't quite catch the bug as much as he did, but I did get a sense of how important trains were, the role that they played. I got a sense of their beauty. I got a sense of their technology. I got a sense of the craft that he brought to building model trains. I got a sense of their value as he shared with me what one had been appraised at. That kind of bug caught me because I realized this is exactly what should be happening in our churches, that our mission, passion, love of God should be spilling over and drawing others into his service. Our passion for God should be spilling over and inspiring service. That night about trains made me think a whole lot about ministry training. And the thing that I realized is this. Ministry training is not simply pragmatic. Ministry training is about the spirit. Ministry training is spiritual formation. In Ephesians, Paul says that leaders are given to the church for equipping of the saints. The verb of to equip in Greek is katartizo, and it has this connotation of mending can be used for mending fishing nets to put them to use again. When we think of spiritual formation as healing, we can think of spiritual formation as mending to be put to use again. Ministry training is spiritual formation. Ministry training is this infectious catching of God's love to be put into service such that its training needs to be spiritual formation, forming of the internal self and spirit. In this episode, we're going to talk about spiritual formation as ministry training. In this episode, I want to give you four contexts where ministry training and spiritual formation needs to take place, one thing to keep in mind, and then five check marks. 
to see if you're catching these in the ministry training that you give. First, let me start with a couple of reasons why we don't do ministry training. When we don't do ministry training, I think it's for one of four reasons. Number one, it's not always fast. Ministry training doesn't happen in a hurry. Now, sometimes we think that if we just run people through a checklist, we've got the ministry training done. But whenever we remember that spiritual formation is what ministry training is, then we know it doesn't happen in a hurry. Spiritual formation isn't always fast. Sometimes we don't do ministry training because we know that, well, different stuff is going to come out. It's not simply giving some how-tos all the time. Spiritual life is going to be exposed and some of the messiness of our lives might come out. We might withdraw from doing ministry training for that reason. It might up our pastoral care, might increase our pastoral counseling load. Ministry training as spiritual formation might also turn the mirror back on the trainer himself or herself. The trainer might be exposed as well and some of their own spiritual deformities might come out. We might resist doing ministry training because of what our own spiritual state is. Finally, and this is a subtle one, we might not do ministry training because the influence of the trainer is revealed. Sometimes we don't want to admit that our influence is as low as it might be. We might resist doing ministry training because our spiritual influence, we fear, is low. But friends, if you are in pastoral leadership, ministry training as spiritual formation is non-optional. It's part of why leaders are given to the church, to see them equipped, to see them built up. God loves to fill the leaders of the church with his spirit so that love for God spills out of them in service to the church, in service to the world, that it becomes infectious, just like my host's passion for trains was, so that it becomes infectious for those around us. So overcome those barriers. Realize it might be slow. Realize it's going to be difficult. Realize it will take you being committed spiritually as well. Realize that whatever influence God has graced you with is a great place to start. So how can we think about ministry training as spiritual formation? Well, first, we can think of ministry training for the hands. Ministry training does involve skills. Now, one of the things that you can do in connecting ministry training and spiritual formation is showing how some of the skills that you're giving can be used in spiritual formation. So if you're training people to listen, You can remind them some of the conversations they're going to have with coworkers and colleagues and family members that are spontaneously spiritual. Those can come about because they are primed to listen. The ministry training, helping them to listen, is spiritual formation to make them listeners. Or you might give them skills in asking open-ended questions. Small group leaders, one of the best skills they can develop is learning how to ask open-ended questions. And of course, that's transferable to the same conversations. It's a wonderful parenting skill. It's a way that they can become a person who is invested in learning in the other. Ministry training is spiritual formation. You might teach people how to react graciously if they're in high-pressure environments or high-activity, high-bustle environments with children or with youth. Becoming a person who is marked with grace, who is secure, is spiritual formation. Every skill that they get can be deployed not only in service to God in the ministry, but also that God can deploy through them in mission to others. Number two, we train the heart. Ministry training is spiritual formation in training the heart or our dispositions. What's our natural way of reacting to the world? This is where we see ministry training as spiritual formation can be drawn out. Have you ever had a person come to you and just think that they were a failure in whatever ministry they had been trained for? This is when ministry training as spiritual formation is slow, it's not in a hurry, is such good news. 
It's like we're saying, no, God is just using this ministry context for you to see things about yourself that he can now address. Ministry training as spiritual formation deals with the dispositions of the heart. Number three, ministry training as spiritual formation deals with the mind, the head. We've got the hands, the heart, and the head, giving them appropriate knowledge. We talked about this in our previous episode, what knowledge is necessary. But here you can talk about spiritual formation as loving God with all our mind. Loving God with the whole mind so that the story of the ministry or the personal context of people they will be serving with or alongside or that they will be serving so that the biblical knowledge that they are obtaining, all of that is acts of loving God. Ministry training is spiritual formation. Finally, habits. What consistent practices do you see as wise for the person to be sustained in ministry? What personal habits and practices do you see as wise for the person to be sustained in the long haul in whatever ministry they are stepping into? Once again, you can't do this in a hurry. Habits are only formed over time. And so setting the expectation that ministry training is going to be ongoing and seeing the good news that it is spiritual formation forming the internal life is so important here. What habits are necessary? I think this is one of the great opportunities we've got to teach people Consistent corporate worship is a very important practice. Now, we've run into kind of a dual philosophy here. It can be intention. Sometimes people will say, I'd rather people be serving, or I'd rather them be in a small group than be in the corporate worship. Only if the corporate worship is not personally connected to them. But we have to see, and I think it's so valuable to be training people, that corporate worship is a vital habit. It's a vital practice to see them grow and thrive in ministry. They will be trained in prayer. They will be trained in hearing the word. They will be trained in worship as they are in corporate worship. Ministry training as spiritual formation happens with the hands, happens with the heart, happens with the head, happens with the habits. Now, here's where your role as a leader is so important. Obviously, you can't tailor ministry training always to individuals. Hopefully, sometimes you can contextualize it to individuals, but you can't always do that. So you've got to take a pulse. You've got to take the measure of where the group of people is and find ways to collect them together. And your role as the ministry leader, as the trainer in this sense, is to see how much learning, how much dissonance can this group take? How much of a challenge can they receive? This discernment is what Ron Heifetz and Don Laurie called the threshold of learning, beneath which when people don't meet the threshold, there's no learning, there's no challenge. It's a waste of time above which there's too much, it's overwhelming. They're discouraged simply by the overwhelming nature of the training they're receiving. Your job is to keep them in between those two lines. That's what Lori and Heifetz called the threshold of learning. And there's a band there. There's a context there that you can be encouraging. Now, how this might be applied is you might not simply do ministry training in specific ministries. You might gather together a group of people from across a number of ministries and do ministry training with them because you know they're at a different threshold. You know that they can receive a challenge. You know they can be challenged in their habits or they can be challenged in their knowledge. They can be challenged in another way, not because of the ministry context that they share, because of their spiritual maturity. Ministry training is happening. So is spiritual formation. So we've talked about some of the challenges of ministry training as spiritual formation. And we've talked about some of the contexts of ministry training as spiritual formation and a couple of ways to apply it. Let me give you five things that are kind of the baseline 
for all of the people that you are leading in ministry, that each one of them needs to know these things. Number one, commonalities. What can they expect? And if they can expect the unexpected, then let them know that as well. If there is no consistent rhythm and pattern, then let them know that. Some people will thrive on it. Other people, it will be the last thing that they want to be part of. It will just grate against their personality. But commonalities, what can they expect to expect? What are the busy seasons? What does when something go wrong typically look like? What does when things are going well typically look like? Whenever I was training small group leaders, I would let them know, you can expect at some point somebody to dominate conversation. Just expect that. It's common. It doesn't mean that something has gone wrong. It doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. Expect it. And of course, I would give them some tips on how to deal with it. Pause in the moment to pray for it. Affirm what the person has said and then ask somebody else to chime in. Finally, you might address the person individually after it was over and ask them to become a person who asks questions of others so that other people are communicating too. Number two, available support. Who is their single point of contact? If something goes wrong, who can they let know? If something went really well, who can they let know? If they're not quite sure, who can they reach out to? If a building is locked, who do they contact? Who's the single point of contact? Nothing is more frustrating for somebody who is in ministry than not knowing who to communicate with. And you know what happens? They end up communicating with four people, and then one or two or probably three people jump up to help them, and then they realize that their help was redundant. Give somebody one person to contact. Who is their single point of contact? Now, of course, a lot of is writing on this single point of contact, so they might need a backup. Knowing who to contact is vital. Commonalities available support. Number three, best practices and policies. Let me differentiate best practices and policies like this. Best practices can be broken. Policies can't. If best practices are broken, you might ask why. When policies are broken, you have to ask what are we going to do? See, best practices are just good ideas. They are ways of doing things that reveal wisdom. They are things that work. They are ways of doing things that keep problems from developing. And so you train in best practices. But at the same time, there's a measure of wisdom. Sometimes the best practice might not be applicable. Now, why that's different from policy is that if policy is broken, it means that there's something else that needs to happen. It means there's a conversation that needs to take place. Policies are the hardened wisdom from multiple people over a period of time. If there's breaking of policy, then the norm should be some kind of accountability. Here's a tip. If you don't need a policy, don't make one. Better to keep something in the realm of best practice, really good advice, but not always necessary to follow. So training in commonalities, what will they expect? Available support, who can they contact? Best practices and policies, what's the wisdom to apply and what are the rules they must follow? Number four, and this is as much a help for the leader as it is for the follower, a living schedule. Every person who is in leadership in the church knows what it's like to receive a text message or phone call or email 10 minutes before some ministry was supposed to start, and somebody just remembered they can't make it. That is going to happen. It happens consistently. If you don't want that to happen, there's not much I can do. That's the nature of working with volunteers. And here's the thing. It can be some of your best volunteers that just forget. One of the ways, it won't solve it all the time, but one of the ways you can mitigate that happening is by giving people a living schedule, a place that they can sign up or that they can change and a way that they can swap out and change with others. Let them know how can they communicate with other people involved in the ministry to cover their own absences. 
It won't eliminate the last minute dropout all the time, but it will really help. Here's the thing. People will forget about the living schedule. They will forget that such a thing exists. You've got to remind them consistently. And when you see people using it well, when they find coverage for their own ministry responsibility, tell everybody and praise them. Tell them that they did the right thing and praise the person who's filling in for them, of course. When people use the system well, tell everybody that it was well used. Finally, emergency actions. What do I do if there's an emergency? Now, this involves teaching them what qualifies as an emergency and what's the first thing I need to do. What's the second thing I need to do? Do I sound an alarm? Do I make a phone call? Do I communicate with somebody? Do I split up the wrestling match? What's the first thing I need to do? And then what's the second thing I need to do? Emergency actions. Now, a helpful acronym for these five bits of training is CABLE. Commonalities, available support, best practices and policies, living schedule, and emergency actions. That's the baseline of what people need to know and what people need to have to begin in ministry, to feel well-supported, to feel like they are off and running, and have some confidence to do the job that you have put into place. Obviously, there's more that could be said about ministry training, but I hope that big idea of ministry training is spiritual formation is resonating with you, and it communicates to you why ministry training is difficult, but also what potentials ministry training has. Let me know if you've got other ideas, if you've got other basic elements that you put into your ministry training. Maybe you've got a better acronym. Maybe you've got another context. Maybe you've got another reason that ministry training is hard. Reach out. Let me know. The Wesley Seminary Podcast exists to introduce topics and resources for fruitful ministry. And I know that so much fruitful ministry is happening through you. Thanks so much, Connor, for being such a great teammate. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. You make episodes like this possible. Trust that this has been a helpful resource to you as we've talked about ministry training and spiritual formation and encourage you all to have a great day. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the name Wesley Seminary.